follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. My name is Shad. I'm here with Matt and Brad. How zany are you guys feeling tonight? I'm feeling super excited, Shad. Uh, this is, yeah, this is going to be a topic that I near and dear to my heart. So I'm really I've been looking forward to this particular episode of the podcast for quite some time. All right, we have the professor in one corner this evening. Brad, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. It feels like we've been waiting quite a while to get to this episode. <clears throat> for the moment, for this moment to finally arrive. But first, a message from our sponsors. Have you ever wanted good, soft quality wrestling gear? Then what you need to do is go to collarandelbowbrand.com, where they have quality gear printed on quality material. And if you use the promo code Four Corners Podcast, that's the number to four, number four, capital C in corners, capital P in podcast, you get ten percent off your order. And Shad's so gonna paint a happy elbow. little cloud next to that happy little tree. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it would be good to switch it up to make it sound like a commercial, and after the big opening, like right after the big theme song goes on, and then like, all right, we're gonna start the show after this commercial, and it immediately cuts to. Have you or a loved one been afflicted with mesothelioma? Um, <laughs> I was thinking, it's it's weird, like, uh, do you do either of you have, like, I don't know, teenaged, like, nieces or nephews or anything? No, but I work mm. with a youth group, so... The, the um, Mimi Bob Ross thing is really weird as someone that's old enough to remember, like, randomly, like, watching him at 5 a.m. when I couldn't sleep in college. <laughs> With the happy little trees. Yeah, like, it's just weird that he's, like, such a meme. It's like, I don't... And a lot of the people, I think, that are super into it, like, never actually... They like, never watched it, but, man, people love Bob Ross now. Well, he... In real life, he was, like, a legit good dude. Mm -hmm. um, he actually was a really nice guy. He, I There's uh, interesting facts that, that have been kind of put out about him since he did become a meme. Uh, one thing I found fascinating, for example, is like every every picture you saw him make on an episode of the show, mm -hmm. he actually did like three of those exactly the same. Really? Yeah, and then like one would get like donated to something, one would be you know for the show. Uh, I think there was like a third purpose for something, but yeah, he made like multiple copies of the same one for different reasons. But so is he? Is he like up there with uh, Mr. Rogers for sainthood? Uh, I don't think anyone quite approaches Mr. Rogers because Mr. Rogers was just in like inexplicably just a, a good human being. Like there's like 
Mm-hmm. Like almost anyone that was famous, like there's some dirt on like something yeah. negative about them. And like, there's literally nothing on Mr. Rogers. Like, I'm pretty sure like he was like as close to perfect as a human being could be. Mm-hmm. Like, he was just a dude that was passionate about entertaining children. Well, not only entertaining, but teaching them as well. Yeah. And, and apparently it's a big Reddit thing right now that they regard. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's Mr. Rogers and Bob Ross and Steve Irwin is the modern sainthood trinity, apparently. Um, but yeah, the uh, you know, Bob Ross he's he's caught his he's had his resurgence. Mm-hmm. So, and I I think my favorite phrase of his is we have a happy little tree right here, and we have one next to it because everybody needs a friend. It's like oh, someone uh. Someone on YouTube like auto tuned. I think it was like auto tuned the news or something like that. They auto tuned uh, Bob Ross, and it's like a catchy song. Is it? Yeah. Well, I, that after was, that was uh, when Deadpool did the Bob Ross for the teaser for the second movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like we're gonna beat off this brush. We're gonna we're beat gonna it off, off like it like it owes you money. We're gonna whack this off real good right here. Just whack it, whack it real good. I saw, um, I was actually at a geek event this past weekend, and you know in the first Deadpool movie where he's, like, using the crayons, and it's him jumping through the air, shooting him, and the guy's, his name, hi, I'm Francis, but he's being shot? Mm -hmm. Someone had a picture of that being painted by Deadpool Bob Ross, and I thought that was wonderful. That's funny. Yeah. So, um, after my, my Bob Ross collar and elbow collar and elbow intro we we do have another shout out don't we matt that's right that's to uh epico cologne who again you won't see on wwe programming even though he's under contract but you will see him uh still as wwc universal champion and uh hopefully we have the same interests in animated programming animated programming Mm -hmm. animated programming that sounds like a segue matt what are we going to talk about we're going to talk about animated programming, <laughs> <laughs> a.k.a. cartoons. Everyone loves yeah, cartoons. Man. Now, I think it's important because what we're going to do, we, it, there's a lot of stuff that could fall into this, and it's growing all the time. I think it's important we set the boundaries of what we're going to be talking about. So could one of you guys kind of tell us the, the boundaries of the era we're going to look at? Well, I think I think we all use slightly different rules for ourselves. I personally left um, more adult-oriented animation out. So, like, even though it was a huge part of, like, growing up, I left The Simpsons off for me personally. And Mm -hmm. I cut myself off at about 1995 because that's – I was about 14 at the time. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of where I did my cutoff off – cut off at. So there's going to be some, like, obviously big programs that didn't make my cut. Right. Um, I cut mine off uh, around middle school, so there's there's going to be some later stuff that's not going to show up on mine as well. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I really cut myself off. I don't know if there's a specific like year I cut myself off. I guess maybe, uh, maybe like early two thousands. I guess, uh, and I tried to 
to do like you guys did and not include some of the bigger ones um because i probably would have included something like simpsons or family guy south park Mm -hmm. uh like modern day stuff i would definitely if i'm uh, choosing like kind of favorite modern day stuff uh rick and morty i'm a big fan of yeah i know i know it gets i know it gets hate online i think unjustifiably but yeah (laughs) i think we i think we were gonna come back with like a show about some of that stuff too because we mm. we had a conversation after the jr interview and i think we stayed on here like an extra hour just talking about <laughs> yeah we did cartoons so i'm pretty sure that happened yeah yeah i mean that's what i was saying like i wasn't joking like i've been looking forward to this podcast and honestly i, I don't even know how many actual shows you guys put on your list I wrote, I mean, I actually wrote down like a, t- a whole page full of, of notes of, of shows that I just thought of off the top of my head. Honestly, I could talk about probably like my favorite hundred I, we animated could probably, shows. We could probably do like six months of shows on this because so I kind of I kind of really did actually limit myself. Like I really limited myself to things I've revisited as an adult that mm-hmm. have held up. Like I really constrained myself because I. I stuck to about five shows, but I could have easily had 50 shows on here. Mm-hmm. My, uh, what I did for, here's, here's how my list works. My list has, <clears throat> it's not an honorable mention. What my list has is my list has the gatekeeper. This is the bar you have to pass or what I feel you do pass in order to get on the list. And then I have the top five that pass that bar. There's there's a lot of stuff that I, I could I could say I probably enjoyed, but wasn't good. Yeah, that's um, true. Because there's so, some stuff you come back to as an adult and you're like, oh okay, like that show's actually pretty good, and some of it actually surprises you, and other stuff you're like, oh my god, how did I watch that? Yeah, the it, my go-to example for this because even as a kid, I really liked westerns. There was a show called the Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Wow. Which okay, in hindsight, in hindsight, I went back and, and looked up the music. Cause I remember their theme song was surprisingly cool. The theme song is just amazingly epic, but the show itself, um, what's the phrase on is, is it, 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 it's really kind of lame. I, there, I haven't seen it as an adult, but there's actually there's a Western show I liked a lot better than Mumesa. I was okay with Mumesa, but I loved this show for a couple years. Like I said, I haven't seen it as an adult, but it was Brave Star. I remember Brave Star. I actually when oh, I was a when I was, oh, oh, oh my god when I was it, that's go that's really going back by the way it is yeah it and is. it's like a sci-fi show and like it I would be interested to revisit it because like remember his horse had like the shotgun and like kind of was yep. a robot. It, it was an yep. interesting show. I'm pretty sure it sucks, but it, it was uh, it was science fiction themed. Uh, I think it was supposed to be set on uh, like a, a alien planet. Yeah. Yep. Uh, if you are interested in it, uh, I have not purchased it, but you can get the entire uh, run, all 65 episodes, on Amazon. They have a box set for thirty dollars. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
I see that's the thing. I I love cartoons. I'm a big like cartoon nerd. I I remember the show. I actually had when I was really young. I had like all the toys. I had a couple. Which of is toys. which is really random because if you asked me like what are the names of the characters, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Right. But I think it, outside the bad of guy stuff. was Tex Hex maybe. Oh, that sounds right. I, and then he had so he had what the strength of a bear, speed of a puma, and something with an eagle. Eyes of a hawk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The toys were odd because they were like twelve inches tall. They were pretty big. They, they were, were like old style. Like yeah, they were like so, what like like the old GI Joes were kind of like. Yeah, but they that was kind of odd because like I all of my other toys at the time like He Man and stuff like that like they didn't really fit. Like they they were kind of like they were too big, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, the He Man ones were oddballs too, though, because the He Man ones were like a weird size too. They were, and they didn't have as much articulation. I'm gonna. I, I want to. That's what sucked about Transformers, though, was like the lack of uniformity between any of them. Hmm. Well, that was really just to to move product. I mean. Well, they were like were three necess- Japanese lines like mixed together too. Like I think the smaller ones were a different line than like the bigger ones. That's true, but if you actually, I mean, even if you go now to like the toy aisle for uh, like a, a Target or a Walmart or something like that. They will sell obviously like the big transformers, but they'll sell like the little ones, and that that's that's gear purely because it's like you know you're in there with your kid. Maybe yeah. you don't want to pay like thirty bucks for a toy, but you're, well, you want to get you want to get your kid something. You'll pick up the little five dollar toy that's I like the, two I inches tall. The, I think the bigger, nicer ones are meant for like adult collectors now, not necessarily children. Probably. So um, just. Just to, to hop back, I remembered the other thing that makes Cowboys and Mesa have a soft spot in my heart. Growing up, my brother and I had the SNES Sunset Riders. Yes. Oh, I remember game. that. There was a Mesa version, like similar style of that game. So I loved Sunset Riders. Because I love Even Sunset- if I never beat Richard Rose, <laughs> and then you got Mesa, you got to have... The same kind of game. I loved I love Sunset Riders because it was like it was like actually a perfect like sixteen bit update of the Gunsmoke game for NES, which was also awesome. Mm. Cool. The Cowboys of Moo Mesa was there. So when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles became huge, mm-hmm. uh, there I feel like Cowboys of Moo Mesa, much like some other stuff like. Uh, biker mice from mars <laughs> don't forget uh street sharks which was street sharks, street sharks yes there was a whole like uh like sub genre fighters from beverly hills <laughs> that was that a live was action show no but remember, there, was the, there was also that mummy show too that was like the same mummy like, kind mummy's of... alive yeah <laughs> uh yeah i this is like my wheelhouse i i can't i can't tell you much about <laughs> about many things but i know like random cartoons because i probably okay. watched them I'm just uh, I'm enjoying this so much. You there know, I was even sub- huh. I, I even even as a probably what twelve when Biker Mice from Mars came out, I looked at that and said that is two nineties for me at like <laughs> when that was like new. Right. There was a whole there was a whole like subgenre of shows uh, like those ones we just mentioned that was basically they purely ripped off the shit like the general format of. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where it's like four anthropomorphic animal-based right. superheroes. Uh, it was always like four outside of Biker Mice. I think it was three, but oh, and yeah, uh, had... 
Captain Bucky O'Hare. Oh, yes, Bucky O'Hare. That was actually a comic book, so it was actually... The toys for that were actually cool, though. But it was yeah. it was another TV show. Yeah. Yeah, because, again, it was like a subgenre. Like, once Turtles became a big thing, like, they, they just started cranking out, like, all these different shows. And actually, I just looked it up. Uh, Cowboys of Moon Mesa was created by a guy who was, like, an animated animation director on Community Niche Turtles. So... <laughs> It's like, you know, wow, it, it got really incestuous. You know yeah. what's hilarious, though, is is that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles got so popular, and if you go back and read those like early comics, they are violent as hell. Oh, they're it not really for kids. It was supposed to be a yeah. joke, yeah. wasn't it? it no, was, it was serious. It, it was like a parody of, of the, the Grimdark stuff or something like that. It, but it was the early 80s, though, so like, the Grimdark thing really wasn't. I haven't read them in a really long time, unfortunately. Okay. They're kind of hard to get like in um in a concise like format. You know, uh, since you mentioned it, Brad, I actually think I had a lot of the Bucky O'Hare toys. I definitely had a few of them. I feel. Yeah, I had quite a few of those. <clears throat> I had a, I had a, I had a ton of turtles though. Like turtles is probably like the one line like I had almost everything of. It was a child. oh yeah. There was a there was a those, lot yeah. of turtle stuff to get too. Like yeah. a lot of turt to the point where it was like, by the way, what if the Ninja Turtles had day jobs and Leonardo <laughs> was a plumber or something? Well, like that. they're still kind of they're still putting out turtle toys. And I didn't I don't collect those. But the ones that I actually kind of do wish I picked up that came out just like probably two, three years ago is they did uh, WWE themed ones. Did you guys see those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, didn't get those. those. I didn't get those, and if I could, if I could find them at maybe like a, a Comic Con or something for cheap, I would maybe consider um, picking them up. But yeah, I I want that Randy Savage Man at Arms when that comes out. <laughs> I I swear to God, I'm probably gonna pick up some of those uh, WWE uh, He Man themed toys. They look fantastic. The, the Macho Man one looks amazing. I have to get yeah. that, please. Okay. So like um. So obviously, I'm sure He-Man and She-Ra did not make any of our lists just because if you go back, it's actually pretty terrible. <laughs> I, 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 so I had He-Man as an honorable mention, but not, uh, not the 1980s one, which is legit terrible, even though I was like a big He-Man fan as a kid. Uh, it's the one from like the early 2000s that aired that on Cartoon Network. That one was actually really good. It, I think it only ran for about two seasons. Yeah, that was, had, that was quality animation. and It was, and the storylines were pretty good. I mean, it was still aimed towards kids, so it wasn't too adult, but it was done fairly well. Uh, I like the, the character redesigns. I think they did a good job doing like a dichotomy where Prince Adam was like a kind of like a punk ass teenage kid but he man was like the you know the actual hero uh they were going to do a third season but the show got canceled yeah cartoon network has a really crappy uh, i um, remember track record with those shows yeah i do remember seeing the tmnt movie in theaters and i'm the pretty sure i drug my mom to that yeah no 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 i'm not talking about that one i'm talking about the one that came out in the 2000s Mm. the tmnt movie because i yes i like saw the, the first two ninja that, turtle live action movies is that the animated one the computer yeah. 
generally. Yep. Oh. So that wasn't yep. even the good like series that they did of like the turtles in like 2003 that was more comic well, based. The I remember I, that I remember, one, yeah. I remember watching the movie the TMNT movie. The problem was, you know, there's a group of us that went for nostalgia's sake. The problem was that having Lawrence Fishburg do the narration at the beginning for some reason absolutely left me in stitches. I cracked up because I kept hearing Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus talking to Neo when he's trying to do the opening narration for a Ninja Turtles movie. I'm sitting in the middle of a crowded theater cackling, and my friends are sitting there looking at people who are glaring at us being like, look, we don't, he doesn't get out of the facility much. It's just, don't, just don't look him in the eye or anything. It, it'll be okay. Um, so uh, I, I actually haven't funnier. seen any turtle stuff past that 2003 series. I did see that. Did you see the crappy like failed one they tried in like the late 90s where they like had the girl turtle, I think Venus de Milo? The live action one? Mm. No, it had live action parts to it, but I think it was mostly animated. Oh, I don't I don't I vaguely recall the show. I got nothing for you there. So Unfortunately, due to my limitations, there are a couple of notable shows I'm just going to run through real quick um, Mm -hmm. that didn't make it because of the cutoff. So uh, Pinky and the Brain did not make it. Mm. Uh, Personal favorite Beast Wars did not make it. Mm -hmm. And um, it should be mentioned, but it is one of my favorites, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Mm. Uh, Yeah, that that is an honorable mention. Uh, That is a fantastic show. And this is a movie, but it led to better series of it. Um, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island is an excellent animated movie, and a couple of the follow-up Scooby-Doo shows were actually pretty good. I don't have much nice to say about Scooby-Doo in general. My wife and I actually just rewatched like the original series, and it's actually pretty good. I just really... I hated Scooby-Doo. There's really? one thing that, yeah, uh, I I don't have a taste for it at all. There's one thing that they did that I really enjoyed is every time they did the hallway gag, I enjoyed the hallway gag. You know, in one door, out the other door, then they come out in the wrong order, then the the killer's chasing, or the monster's chasing them, then they're chasing the monster, all that. I enjoyed that. That is literally it. Did you like at least the Laugh Olympics? I did like the Laugh Olympics. Okay. I'm not a complete heathen here. That's give me a little credit. You know what's weird? We just watched a couple. My wife and I just watched like a couple episodes of the Laugh Olympics, and they don't actually have Dick Dastardly and Muttley in it. They have like, um, they have like Mumbly, which is like they're just like palate swaps. Oh, all right, okay. Well, now let me let me throw another one here. Um, what about the Wacky Racers? I I like the one that they did, like the reinvention they did that was Disney Channel only. I never watched that one. I like I enjoyed the original one and because original it was one... it was so random that you never knew what was going to happen in a given race, right? I di- I didn't have enough like um I didn't have enough connection to like Penelope Pitstop and some of those characters to really get into that. Ah, okay. All right, I got you. So, um, Matt, how is your list kind of structured? 
Uh, I, again, I have like I have a bunch of stuff on on mine. Uh, maybe I'll just limit mine to, I guess five. We could come back with more anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. So, do you guys do you, uh, do we want to do the honorable mentions first, or, or and work our way to number one, build our I, heat, so to speak? I think we should start with your uh, gatekeeper. Okay. Mm-hmm. My gatekeeper, and it's in order. Like I said, in order for something for me to consider it for this list, it has to meet or surpass this bar. Is the original Looney Tunes? I'm talking Bugs, Daffy, Taz, Yosemite Sam, Sylvester Tweedy, that crew. See, if that actually is, would that would actually it is actually on my real list because. I think, um, especially as someone that writes creatively, I I realized as an adult that I learned about satire by watching Looney Tunes. For me, it's the backdrop that everything else is compared against. And so they both are and are not on my list because of that. And it's not that... um, it's it's not that I want to to yeah I'm not saying anything negative about them or they aren't as good or anything like that, but I think it's important that because I, the classics how do you compare to the classics like that how do you how do you do that and I feel like I can't say yeah okay these are these are the you know these beat the classics it's I feel like they have to be on par with these classics for me to consider them. It's what I'm I'm doing with this. I can't. There's certain things like if someone if I if I hear Barbara of I listen to classical music on the radio a lot of mornings on my way to work, and um, if they play Barbara of Seville, like I, that whole cartoon <laughs> just like is imprinted in my brain. The Barbara of Deville. and like there's just so much like i think i think he's really an underrated character but foghorn leghorn as an adult is absolutely hilarious Mm -hmm. (laughs) just because he is such like he is just such a piece of garbage my brother loves to to do foghorn leghorn style quotes in the um in the vein of Nice kid, but he's about as sharp as a bag of wet mice. Yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> I would always do the she's nutty as a fruitcake. Yeah. Which is one of his. Um, I Another favorite of mine is the one where Sylvester got left home alone, but he has the cupboard full of food, but the mouse has the can opener. Okay. And then shenanigans follow, obviously. Right. Because I fucking I, hate Tweety Bird. Just well, let's oh, get that out of the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tweety Bird's a douche. <laughs> well, here's the, I like Sylvester and Tweety way more than I like Tom and Jerry. Uh, I disagree with that. There was some, I, Tom and Jerry has a certain like brut, brutality to it that um that uh, Looney Tunes lacks. Mm-hmm. Well, if you just want some absolute mayhem and maliciousness. That's what you want Tom and Jerry for. The the I guess the point that I'm getting at is looking back at it, I like I enjoy the characters, all the Looney Tunes characters. 
the way I look at Jerry, I, I even as a kid, I rooted for Tom to catch and eat Jerry because he's a he's a rat. Right? Yeah. I don't care how how cute he looks, and you give him the big eyes, and you give him like the bodily proportions of a toddler to make him cute, and you you want to see him be okay. No, uh, just just let Tom tent peg him in the ground with a two by four or something. I'll be happy that way. I felt that way about the Roadrunner. I always kind of rooted for Wile E. Coyote. Oh, me too. Yeah. I was just curious to see if he could do it. But, that, of course, that's the point. He can't. And that's that's where so much of the, the joke comes from. But it, it was... Watching a Roadrunner cartoon with Wile E. Coyote is kind of like your Brad's description of... Of watching a Sabu match. You're just watching to see how it goes wrong. I was yeah. actually going to say that. That episode where the children are watching the show. And he stops like and breaks the fourth wall. To explain his motivations to him. Was like him <laughs> being like. The perfect wrestling heel. Because it's like. It's like. You're saying the Roadrunner's legs taste like double martini. Like fuck yeah. Like kill that damn Roadrunner. <laughs> so that's. That's uh. I just, I can't, um, yeah, that's why I have to go with Looney Tunes. The Hanna-Barbera stuff just doesn't, doesn't hold up for me the same way. You know, I, I think I actually, maybe this is like a precursor to me being a fan of heels and wrestling because I always kind of was rooting for the heels and the Looney oh, yeah? Tunes shows. So I, my favorite Looney Tunes character is actually Daffy Duck. And I loved, uh, I always, I always hated, uh, the shorts where, Daffy would get his comeuppance by Bugs. I'm like, no, Bugs is an asshole. Like Daffy's the <laughs> Daffy's the main star. <laughs> you know, it's a you know, it's an underrated uh, kind of two underrated Looney Tunes characters. They were in like a handful of shorts, but uh, Ralph Wolf and Sam Sheepdog. Yes, they were great. They were great. I love that. Like when they uh, they basically yeah. they, they're they have like a you know like a feud, but they basically it's. It's all just it just work like they 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 begin the short like punching in. <laughs> yeah. Like morning, Ralph. Yes. Morning, Sam. Yeah. Uh, Didn't they I was have a, little... a crossover with Wiley Coyote at one point? Uh, they might have. I don't remember. I'll end up, like the the character design for Ralph Wolf is pretty much the same as Wiley Coyote to the point where I, I always would get confused. Right. Right. But. I, I remember exactly what you're talking about, and that's so much fun. Yeah, is is it, the gag is? Yeah, they know each other. Yeah, this is this is just what they do. And then, like after they got off work, weren't they making plans together or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that. That was see you tomorrow, Ralph. See you tomorrow, Sam. Thought, which one I thought was genius was the one where the Roadrunner was sick and Bugs Bunny was filling in, and he just yes! liked the Roadrunner. Yeah, yes. that was a good one. Oh man, that was amazing! I only ever saw it once, but it was great. Or um, Daffy Duck is Stupor Duck, mm-hmm. and he pretty much would just screw everything up. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't that kind of what happened with Duck Dodgers as well? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> Actually, funny story. I. I do not own many Funko Pops. The only line I actually own every Funko Pop of is the Duck Dodgers, which are sitting really? on the television in my podcasting area. <laughs> okay. 
Because Marvin the Martian is actually one of my favorite Looney Tunes characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Because he calls the dynamite the Illudium Q48 48 space modulator. Yes. That reminds me. One of my favorite games growing up on the Super NES was Looney Tunes B-Ball. I don't I remember that. that one. Yes, it didn't get much play, but it was so much fun. It was in the era of NBA Jam, and everybody had special defenses. So um, Marvin would whip out the, the, the ray gun and blast, and if it hit you, you disintegrated and you dropped the ball. Um, Daffy would pull out a jackhammer and jump on it, and it would knock everybody on the court down. Elmer would whip out his... Um, his opera gear and call lightning down on you and stuff like that. It was amazing. So uh, you kind know, of along, along the lines, I, I didn't care much for the Disney animated cartoons of the like forties and fifties, other than like the occasional goofy, like educational film. Mm-hmm. But um, I think Disney made up for that later with, um, with their Disney Afternoon stuff, but I'm going to come back to that because Matt was about to say something. Oh, yeah, I want to come back to the Disney Afternoon stuff, too, because uh, that's yeah. actually one of my... Of the five I'm going to uh, choose, one of mine is in there. But uh, your talk about uh, Looney Tunes video games reminded me of something. Okay. Uh, did you guys ever play Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle for the NES? Yes. Yes. Um, because I... there's an AVGN about those. Yes. Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. <laughs> he, uh, he and but he and but like pretty much Bugs Bunny like and him brawl through the whole thing. Yep. I actually loved those games growing up. They're basically just like they're kind of puzzle games, but you have to fight um, other Looney Tunes characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, and they had like a lot of levels. Like that was one of those games that it probably had like sixty levels or something like that you had to go through. It was but like it a was, puzzly game, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was actually really entertaining. I, I mean, I could. If there are people out there who remember it. They might be like, you "Really, you like that crap?" But it, no, I like. It was a lot of fun. There's a shit ton of those too because they went up to like Game Boy Color. I think there's like six or seven of those. Yeah, I remember it's, the Super NES one that would start with Vivaldi's Spring, and the paintbrush comes in and paints the whole scene for you before Bugs lifts up out of the hole. Yeah, I remember that one. I, uh, as far as like Looney Tunes video games, it's actually not a Looney Tunes game, but um, the Tiny Toon Adventures for NES is probably my favorite in that. Like that was a really good game. That was a really good game because you had you had Plucky who could like kind of fly, and I think Furball could like crawl. Like they, each of the characters had like a little Plucky bit could, of difference. He you know? could swim too, mm-hmm. but Furball okay. could Furball could crawl on upside down surfaces too. Uh, or he, he didn't like, if he hit a, a vertical surface, he, you could have him like crawl up it and then, um, dizzy devil had his spin and that sort of stuff. Oh yeah. Dizzy. I was thinking dizzy, dizzy was like a boss, but no, you're right. You could be dizzy. Mm-hmm. So it was important that you had the right characters to switch to in the right levels. Cause yeah, Buster, Buster was, Buster was kind of useless, wasn't he? He couldn't swim for nothing. But man, he was like he was like Luigi and Mario too. He could jump. Because I, I remember I used Plucky a lot because those trying to um, avoid Elmira oh. when she was the boss was really hard, and Plucky made it easy because you could kind of 
stay yeah. up in the air because you had to like I think you had to like jump over her three times, but it was really like difficult. Yeah, because she was so fast. And they like hamstrung you in like a V-shaped level. Uh, I don't remember that part. Because, like, you'd have stairs going down and the stairs going back up, so you had to, like, dodge her, but you had to, like, time her to not, like, just drop right into her. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. That sounds... Okay. It sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, so, Matt, what's uh, what Disney Afternoon show did you pick? Well, just a... <laughs> kind of give some backstory like i when i was a kid like in the uh the early 90s i loved disney afternoon it, i loved it the best when um when i was like off uh from school for the summer because i could just watch like the entire block because usually it came on i think like a little bit earlier than i got home from school i think it but, came on like at three where i lived and i didn't like really get out of school until three thirty, so i yeah. wouldn't get to see it until four yeah same for me um I remember watching uh, Adventures of Gummy Bears. Do you remember that? Yeah, <laughs> that show bouncing here and there and everywhere. Oh that my god, that that retro- theme song. Huh? That kind of got retroactively like added to the Disney Afternoon. That was kind of like the original show, I guess. Mm. Uh, I love that they had Ducktales, which is a great show. Obviously, oh, man. Um, there there's the theme song that never leaves your head. Yeah. Uh, Chippendales Rescue Rangers I was a big fan of yeah. I loved all those I didn't really care for Tailspin I don't know why it never clicked with me uh, but the show that is on my uh, on my list of my random well not randomly my list of five that I chose I'm a big comic book nerd this is no surprise Darkwing Duck Darkwing Duck loved and that's loved number Darkwing five Duck. on my list too yeah and we're gonna have sadly, some overlap I feel and sadly the one of the worst parts about Disney buying Marvel was that Kaboom series for Darkwing Duck got cut short. Yeah, oh. man, you gotta remember when there's trouble, you call the trouble, you call the W, and that was such a. Go ahead, Matt. Just... I I loved the show, and they they really made it a really good, uh, like superhero show. They had yep. it was obvious building. Yeah, they had universe building. They had clearly defined like villains. Uh, there was obviously this is a Disney cartoon, so it was largely pretty wacky, except for Negaduck, who sometimes could get like shockingly dark. And uh, and Taurus Bulba. Oh, Taurus Bulba was uh, very threatening too, voiced by Tim Curry. Yep, because uh, almost all the characters that Tim Curry voices are usually like sinister. <laughs> uh, uh, there was actually. There was one episode of Darkwing Duck that actually got really dark because it was uh, set in like an alternate future where Darkwing just decided like he he had to, he basically took over the city, yeah, and became a like a super authoritarian. Um, oh, when they did the when they did um, they did their version of the Dark Knight. Yeah, the, yeah, okay. It was fascinating, and it was like for this is a Disney show, but it was great. I loved it. There was a. There was also oh God, I forget, I forget the name. I think it was Justice Ducks. Yeah. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah. That yeah. was basically yeah. like the their big crossover. Uh, so they had all the the villains team up as a as a, a team, and then Darkwing had to put together his own team, which included uh, Stego the Dino Boy, who was like the best character on the show. Yes, and it included also Gizmo Duck. Gizmo Duck from Ducktales. Yep. 
So it was awesome. I loved, I Let loved the Darkwing Duck. Hang on. It also inc- included Morgana McCobber. Who is his love interest. Yep. And then Neptunia, who was the fish thing. Oh, yeah. I forgot so, about her. Uh, uh, Dark, Darkwing Duck, uh, they also made a really a pretty good uh, platformer for the NES. Mm-hmm. It was a Mega Man ripoff. It was a Mega Man ripoff. Yeah. Also, like, like Chippendale's Rescue Rangers was also basically a Mega Man ripoff. But... Yeah, except that one was fun because you could play with your friend and just throw apples at each other. Yeah. Chippendale but... Rescue Ranger was the first NES game I could, I just, I could sit down, play beginning to end, and beat it. Like, I had that game figured. Yeah. And also... The the best of all of those is the original DuckTales NES game. That was really good. Yes. So I'm looking at the Fearsome Five from Darkwing Duck. They were composed of Negaduck, Megavolt, Dr. Bushroot, Quackerjack, and the Liquidator. Liquidator was underutilized. He was one of my favorites. I also loved um, Steelbeak and Fowl. Yes, Fowl. Mm-hmm. Danish organization for world larceny. What was the what was the what was the secret group that Darkwing was with? Hang on, I've got that right here. TV Tropes is such a great resource. Shush. Yes, was led by by Jay Gander Hooter. (laughs) Because there was the bear he was always like arguing with. Uh, Vladimir Grizzlikov. Yes. Uh, yep. That's it's really it. I, I think DuckTales is probably like overall the best one, but I think Darkwing Duck was the most fun one. Yeah, that that was always my my big thing for it was was it the most fun I could have with it. And um, the one that produced the best movie was Goof Troop, because I think a goofy movie is actually a timeless classic of like a coming of age story. I have not seen it. Oh, you're missing out. It's a beloved movie. A lot of people do. Yeah. Love that. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, if, if, since, since Matt and I crossed over on our, um, on our, uh, our number five, Brad, what was your number five pick? Um, well, I cheated with Disney afternoon because I really wanted to talk about Darkwing Duck and DuckTales. <laughs> and, um, so do we I need really to move liked, on to number four then? I really like Tailspin. Uh, I think that one actually has a lot of merit to watch as an adult for some of like the more, um, ty- the political satire of the time that it was written with. It's also a very different setting than like anything else. It's like a World War II era like adventure pulp show it yeah it's like if indiana jones was focused on sala instead of indy or something yeah but it was a lot of fun i had that on uh my game gear the game for that i don't think i ever liked any of the tailspin games (sighs) i played that game gear game so much okay so, so uh, are we moving to number fours then? Yeah, well, let's move to number four since we we kind of all <laughs> we kind of all agreed there. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go ahead and start us off at four since we kind of 
went around there. So I, I kind of did a lot of back and forth of this. And some of this stuff are things I discovered as an adult of the era that I really like. Because there are some shows I loved as a kid that did not make this because they're terrible. So for number four, I did Robotech. Robotech. That's I remember Robotech. Yeah. Okay. Or um, as it's more popularly known in the world, Macross. Let me see. I'm going to pull up some some Robotech here. So it's it's actually a show that holds up because it's a more mature show. Like the dubbing's kind of crappy from the time, but it gets the point across. Um, just watch the like first 34 episodes or so. That's like the initial story before they like, because what they did, what they did with a lot of stuff, they did this with Voltron too, is they got like three shows and like splice them together and call oh, them okay. Robotech. Gotcha. So you just want the Macross story. So it's pretty much like they find the space technology, kind of repurpose it. And then these aliens called the Zentradi show up and essentially invade earth. And then they kind of accidentally zoom off into space and have to get uh, tracked, like have to get back to earth. And then they kind of go from there. There's actually another show similar to that, that I absolutely love, but I have not watched an adult, so it might suck. But exo squad is kind of like a similar show. That is also a favorite of mine. Exo squad is on my honorable mention list. Okay. That was a really fascinating show. Um, it, cause the, the premise of it was there was this, uh, kind of race of beings that humanity created and then used a slave race essentially, but then they revolted and, but they were, if I recall correctly, this is pretty dark for a cartoon show. Weren't they essentially trying to like exterminate humanity? Yeah. And yeah, the, it was, I mean, that was, and, and, and the sucky thing about this show is they canceled it and it ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, but it was a, it was a fascinating show. Cause it's like this, this, well, this race was um, you know, trying to exterminate humanity. And I think the premise was basically that they were, they were winning. Like they were, yeah. Humanity they, seemed like they were like on the ropes. So yeah, that kind of reminds me, this is nowhere near as good, but it reminds me of the Battletech TV series, which ended up being so bad that it was retconned in the continuity to be a piece of anti-clan propaganda. <laughs> also, um, with Robotech, I recommend they did a redub in the 2000s. If you can find the redub, I would go with the redub. And it's actually for a show that was on children's TV. Like, it's actually pretty dark. Like, one of the main characters dies halfway through because he got shot in his cockpit. Uh-huh. And pretty much collapses and dies. On the show. Okay. I remember that. And they deal with like, I mean, they deal with like the relationship stuff gets dark. Like the main character has like this super dysfunctional relationship with this woman he's infatuated with. Like there's a lot of really like adult themes running through that show. Hmm. It's also the show. If you want to know why Battletech cannot use certain designs and there's the unseen, this is the show that they came from. Ah, uh, Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, Darkwing Duck callback, but I didn't realize it was Jim Cummings who did Darkwing's voice. Mm -hmm. I knew I, that. You didn't know. I didn't realize it. Go for the eyes, boo! <laughs> <laughs>
All right, all right. Sorry about that, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that's who it was. Wow. Okay. Wow, that's really. Do you realize um, Frank Welker has um, voiced Fred from Scooby Doo from the first series to today? That's crazy. No, I didn't. I mean, yeah, I know. Still... <laughs> that yeah. Okay. Well, well, we were looking at that because my wife and I watched it recently. And we were looking at his credits, and wow, way to like carve out a career for yourself by being the guy that they call when you need animal noises. <laughs> it's a niche that's never going to go away. Also, Megatron's voice. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, can we go back real quick just before we move on? I do have one honorable mention that is a movie. Okay. But uh, Transformers, the animated movie, is great. And I'm saying that even as an adult, it is a great movie. Okay. Uh, since you brought that up, I'm just going to say, uh, I'm, I'm going to say for my fourth pick, uh, it was Transformers, uh, the original kind of Generation 1. Are we going even into Season 3 when it got like weird with like the new characters and stuff because st- yeah i'll like edge into, into season three like what but once they started bringing out like the headmasters and stuff then uh, it got weird although yeah. i haven't seen it but I, I did purchase uh the japanese versions where Those they actually interesting they did like a couple more seasons of it and apparently it's like a lot different so yeah um i so this is weird i I bought some show in the early 2000s, like back where sometimes you just got stuff on CD because DVD really wasn't a thing yet. And one of them sent me like a CD with just all these random shows. And I had a random episode of, and it was dubbed, which was really weird, of a of a Japanese Transformer show. Okay. And it was, it, it, it came like a couple years after this because I think there were two or three Japanese series. Okay. But yeah, so there's I I've been meaning to get those cuz I it's kind of one of those things I want to revisit. I know it's it's not great though. I'm sorry. I, I fell down the Jim Cummings uh rabbit hole. <laughs> so who That's would you say is your favorite Transformer? Let's let's go there. Me? Yeah. <laughs> well, again, because I like the heels, my favorite actually in real life of all time is Starscream. <laughs> so you just like that backstabbing little Yeah, he was such a he was such douche. a yeah, he was a bitch, but he <laughs> he was such a conniving asshole. Uh I I he is the originator of a TV trope, uh yes. the star scream. Yep. Meaning yep. uh an individual, you know, he's he's a villain who's basically kind of almost like to use another TV trope like the dragon, like maybe yeah. like the the next in line or second in line, but who's always so, trying to backstab like the right also, hand guy to the, to the, the boss who's always looking to backstab him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He went out, he went out exactly like he should have. Yeah. Uh, I love Starscream. Um, I love the movie. I love first off for, for the, the comic. I loved that. He was, was it Chris Lotta? He was voiced by Chris Lotta. He yeah. also did the voice uh, on the G.I. Joe cartoon of uh, Cobra Commander. Very unique voice. Like, unfortunately, he, he passed away, I think, in like the late late 80s, early 90s. No, uh, because I think um, Mike Quackenbush talked about 
trying to get him to introduce a Chikara show. And they actually got in contact with him, and they were like, the, the, the price he quoted them was like something they could never afford. Mm. Just to mm. do like five seconds of work. Hmm. He was also um, decomposed on Inhumanoids. Oh, I remember Inhumanoids. Inhumanoids, I think, only did like 13 episodes. I, was, I used to have them on DVD, but I think I lost that. That show That show is actually really good, but it is... I don't know how that made it onto TV for children. That show is scary and violent as crap. Oh, yeah. Like, the well, decompu- Decompose was, like, terrifying. He was basically a giant zombie creature. Well, remember, he took, turn- like... He turned that main... Like the main, the, the original movie, like he actually like turned like one of the main characters into a zombie and they had to go to like his fortress and like capture her. And she actually took like one of the other main characters and put like that's something decomposed it too. Like he would open his like skeleton and like put mm. people in there. Yeah. That shows great though. And full continuity between episodes. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, but to go back to the the Transformers movie, like, I think this, if you were a kid in the era, you're and you were like a tra- by it. Yeah, this was like one of the first times like you you realize like actually life can be can be cruel and and mean yeah, and harsh. Bambi's mother, Bambi's mother has nothing on Optimus Prime. Dying. <laughs> Optimus Prime dying. Well, just like there for a, a kid's cartoon. I mean, I'm sure the real reality was that obviously this was based on like the Japanese stuff and they, they had a new toys to like push and everything like that. But there is a stunning amount of death yeah. in the Transformers movie. I mean, Autobots, well, Decepticons, tons of people die. And there's scenes where like they're just laying there and you if you after you watch it a couple of times, like, holy shit, that's like a named character from the original show. Yeah. yeah, in the first like season or two, like Wheeljack is a big is a big character, like Ironhide, and big character, laying... dead. Yeah. yeah, Ironhide actually has one of it's still to honestly, this is going to sound silly, but to this day, one of my favorite uh, movie deaths of anything, live action animated. He has one of my favorite deaths because uh, how he dies is that the Decepticons. Uh, hijack this spaceship that's heading into Earth. And they just murder the shit they, out of like 10 Autobots. They murder all the Autobots to get onto this because it's basically a Trojan horse. They're trying to sneak attack uh, the Autobots on Earth. And they they decimate all the Autobots. Ironhead's like dying, but he like reaches up to, to Megatron. And Megatron just looks at him and he goes, such heroic nonsense and blows him away. And as a kid, you're like, what the fuck just happened? You know, and I saw this when it was, I saw this when it like first came to video. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a kid and especially cartoons, there's not like stakes necessarily or like consequences to thing. Mm-hmm. And like this movie like slaps you in the face like with, Oh, oh yeah. this isn't like this isn't like what I've watched. It, it, it was just yeah, and it just had it had other dark stuff in there, like the Quintessons. Oh, the yeah. Quintessons were were fucking feeding people to the Sharktacons. But and also, um also 
Probably my favorite Transformer debuted in this movie, who is Cup. Oh, Cup was awesome. And and going back to the Sharktacons, though, but, like, I think that is one of my favorite parts of the movie is, like, where Hot Rod and Cup are just getting overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And um, the Dinobots just kick the door down right on one of the Quintessons. Mm-hmm. And they just destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Speaking my, of the uh, the Dinobots, my favorite was Grimlock was my favorite. So, but my favorite that's what is I got. Like, everyone, everyone loved Grimlock because yeah. one he was a T Rex and two he was awesome. Yes, but my favorite is they kick this giant like metal door down on one of the Quintessons, and you see him like under the door and he's flailing, and they're pretty much like stepping on him, and I think the the Triceratops stops and looks at him and says, "Excuse me." And then they just keep going. <laughs> but yeah, um, also a star-studded cast. Oh, we yeah. had Robert Stack, Leonard Nimoy, Orson Welles. I think Eric Idle was in it. Yep. Yeah, Eric Idle was Rekgar. Yep. Who is now voiced by Weird Al <laughs> in some of the really? stuff. Really? Wow. Yep. And the soundtrack. Touch. Yep. It is like, <laughs> and it had it dare is, to be stupid in it. Yep. It had what else dare to be stupid. It is like an eighties like me- hair metal concert. Yeah. 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 But yeah, but yeah, the the fight with um, Optimus Prime and Megatron's pretty memorable. Mm-hmm. Because they just like, I mean, they. And it's not like Optimus Prime just dies. Like, he gets his side, like, chopped open, and, you know, they're breaking apart, like, fighting this this battle. Yeah. And then, um, I get, also, Starscream does go down pretty hard. Because he's just, like, because it's Galvatron that he changes into, and he shows up, and Starscream, like, is that you? And he's, like, here's a hit, and he pretty much just blows him away. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh. It's also it's also like a really well animated movie. Yeah, they, there were some production values there. Yeah, like the GI Joe movie did not look as good. The GI mm. Joe movie, the best opening to a movie ever with like the opening like GI Joe <laughs> song, and then the rest you yes. can just turn it off after that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, best opening to a movie ever. Not a good movie, other than the Sergeant Slaughter parts. all right so um i would like to throw my number four into the into the mix if that's okay Mm -hmm. sure and those of you at home if you know what this show is nothing about this should surprise you as a pick which is why my number four pick and it's it's kind of odd given what I said, or yeah, given that, um, given what I said about about getting to this level and that sort of stuff. But it is Space Ghost Coast to Coast, hmm. which to me was this awesome, uh, just like making fun of the adult late night shows and having so much fun watching kind of thing and there's so much stuff stuck in it that, that's still in my head the episode of about space ghost tending his sea monkeys and he's, he's talking i can't remember who the guest was or talking to and he says 
uh, when are we doing this? Like, well, Space Ghost is tending his brine shrimp. And it's banjo, 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 faster than lightning. You know, Space Ghost is singing to his his sea monkeys. And then, as it it turns out, they grow into the giant monster at the end. It was fascinating how they did the show because I think they took just, like, generic interviews and just plastered them into, like, Space Ghost asking them weird questions. It was, okay, one thing as a kid that I caught on to pretty quick and really annoyed me was reusing stock footage, right? Like, that, that when Power Rangers came along, that really annoyed me because you could tell they're reusing stock footage. Well, Power Rangers was a weird show because... It's a different. They actually took like the action scenes of a Japanese show called Super Sentai, and then then put in like the American scenes. But with the exception of like I don't know a few shots, the giant Zord versus monster battles in it, you always saw the exact same shots over the course of it. That bugged me. But in Space Ghost Coast to Coast, you obviously had the same same animation frames and stuff. But the fact that they were able to take so few of them and do so much with them was fascinating, even to a kid like me. And, um, you know, you had the episode that Weird Al was on and, you know, being growing up when I did, obviously being a big Weird Al fan. Um, and and it, to me, I don't know. It was just fascinating and so much fun to watch. Well, the and that's how I sh- knew who Bobcat Goldthwait was and stuff like that. The mythology and the story of the show is hilarious, too, is because pretty much Space Ghost captured all these guys and was making them work for him on a talk show. Like, yeah. this show is pretty much him forcibly, like, making these people live his, like, delusions with him. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Tunapedia entry is Space Ghost has suffered the ultimate humiliation of any superhero. He is a talk show host. And he it, it it was in one of the songs from um, like Cartoon Barbecue, the album or something. He coerced Moltar and Zorak to work for him on the show. So it's it's fascinating. And and by the way, Willie Nelson was hilarious in the episode he was in. He's like, hey, a- Willie Nelson talking to talking to Moltar. And he's like, oh, that's a bear over there. And, and Moltar, yeah, that bear's a Yankee. And Willie's like, well, hell with him then. <laughs> Well, like a lot of those celebrity things, like they weren't actually interact. They they were just taking like random quotes and like having the characters like do stuff around it. I think is what I read. Well, but they I understand that they scripted the interviews, so they they were kind of aware of what was going on for comedic effect. Like Al's was very much uh, an interactive with the character kind of thing, but the, what I'd read is that they're um, that the, they was scripted. But it was disjointed for for the purpose of being funny. Also, the best the best episode of Space Ghost Coast to Coast is um, Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> yes. Ghostal. Yes. <laughs> and my favorite my favorite line it is it is an all time best line is um. Do you ever like? Do you ever like slam your little friends to the mat and watch their eyes roll back in their head like there's some kind of freak and Raven Simone's like, no, I just try and be nice to everybody's like, you don't know what you're missing, Missy. 
And I like to think they didn't write him a script. They just put him in a booth and said, here, just say stuff for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's entirely possible. You know what? I'm, I'm down with that. Go for it. It's also where we got Brack from, who is, is something that, incidentally, Brack sends my wife into helpless laughter. So I never cared much for Brack. I was glad he was downplayed on that show. Uh, see, I loved the Brack show. Yeah, I did like the Brack show. I did. And this is actually interesting because it's kind of the prototype show that became like Adult Swim because it was like, I don't. If you didn't watch this, it, this literally was a late night Friday show. Yep. Yeah. It was only on Fridays and it was on at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this was like a must watch show because this, this show was on like when I was like kind of, I had a car at that point, but this was like a must watch. Like I had to be somewhere to watch this or I had to have a tape in the VCR to record this. <laughs> it's such a fun show. Yeah. So Shad, why don't you uh why don't we why don't we just snake this sucker around and give us your number 3? My number 3 pick I can sum up with probably my favorite line from the show. It's an exchange. And the first line is Who's the jerk who calls himself the tick? Yes. And you respond with I am that jerk. I loved the tick. I just the sheer absurdity of it. I enjoy absurd humor. I cracked up more watching something like Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, than so many other movies that came out around that time because the absurdity just amused me so much. And the tick is built on that. And then you also have so much deconstruction happening that even if you don't realize at the time, it's still funny. The tick makes the tick signal and takes it to City Hall. And they're like, well, yeah, we've got a bunch of them. But the problem is they're not really good for much. Here's the deflator mouse signal. Whenever we turn it on, he unplugs his phone and leaves town for two weeks. <laughs> and that just, that line by itself is amazing. I, um, my favorite, there's a couple things I love from that show. The one where they were at, like, the superhero convention and the tick got mine swapped into tongue tongue and he's like there it's just some random scene he's like that was arthur that got swapped arthur got switched because oh, arthur's okay. walking around going oh god i'm tasting the floor and the the thing in arthur's body is like face down on the floor with his tongue hanging out <laughs> lamenting the fact that he can only taste the world through one tiny place <laughs> and then um the human the the human cannonball guy just like fire me boy <laughs> <laughs> but the um the comic book have you guys ever read like the original like the original like 13 issues of the comic book it was a little grim wasn't it well he's like an escaped like mental patient oh and he okay. has like a view master with him like for like the first three issues oh wow but, but the it's a little darker but it's still like it's still it's still really humorous okay it's it's pretty true to the cartoon, actually. It made, incidentally, a really good, um, a, a, well, a pretty good beat 'em up game, which kept a lot of the humor. So the fact that you had defla Deflator Mouse, like over the, it was a one player beat 'em up. You could play as the Tick. That's it. 
One of the people you could play as was the samurai whose name I can't remember. Paul. But the only way he could get the sword into the country was to smuggle it in through a loaf of bread. It was so Paul the Samurai. He had okay. his comic book, too. He has, he has a katana hidden in, like, a giant French loaf of bread. But you would summon these guys to back you up, and they would walk back-to-back back with the tick for a certain period of time. Except for Deflator Mouse, who would stand there. He wouldn't do anything, and if you got hit, he ran away. Immediately. I always liked the American maid because she'd throw her shoes. Yes. And they were um, never useful. It would just, like, pin people to walls. Well, no, that's useful. I was fascinated, though, just how good of a name that was, right? American yeah. made. Or the episode, like, how Sea Urchin was, like, um, just lame, but they went to the sewers for something, and he was, like, a rock star. Yeah. They went to go fight the felth. Um, I uh, wonder he was living with Galactus, and Galactus was, like, just needy and codependent. <laughs> What were you going to say, Matt? This was a, I mean, I, I feel like when we were kids and watching this, we just thought it was funny. And it was. It was a tremendously funny show. Like, I actually would want to watch this show now as an adult because what a fantastic, like, send-up and parody of, of superhero culture and superhero comics and everything. Yeah. Uh, now, especially, like, in the era of Marvel movies, I'd really love, kind of love to see this again. Um, there's two characters, like, almost like throwaway characters uh, that I loved from the tick that I always still remember to this day. One was one of the villains, the human ton. The human uh, ton. Andy. I really loved Andy. Handy. Human ton was basically a, uh, kind of a satire on the blob, but he had a yeah. hand puppet called Handy. <laughs> and Handy was like intelligent while the human blob. Oh, sorry. The human ton was like an idiot. He was like, like Achilles, like, Stewie in his tent, and they're all like looking at him like stupidly. Homer, the Odyssey, <laughs> right, right up, up. Fuck. <laughs> Yes. And then the other one, I think, was actually from like the one of the last episodes. It was just like the the superheroes in training, uh, Sarcastro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which was basically like Fidel Castro, but he was trying to be a superhero, and he just made like sarcastic comments. Can, can we go back to Handy for a second? That was yeah. the best death ever. And how they beat the human ton is Arthur just took it off his hand and stomped on him, and he passed out. <laughs> he looked at his hands just there. He's like, what? Like, ah! Um, the other, <laughs> another fun thing that I just, just cracked me up from the tick was the weaponized mustache. Do you remember this episode? I, I have vague recollections of it. There was a, there was a scene, the mustache shows up and attaches itself to the tick like the black suit Spider-Man suit does. And he's walking around with it in there. It's got that mustache feeling. And then there's oh, this deep that. bass mustache. And the American military designed this weaponized mustache because the Russians were working on a weaponized beard. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, the beard and the mustache attach themselves to like this Tibetan monk and run off together. <laughs> It's just, it's just staggeringly. It also gave us, I'm sorry, give me just a second. Okay. Even though the live action follow-up, the first one, wasn't as good, I still enjoyed it because Patrick Warburton was perfect as the tick. I loved Patrick Warburton as the tick. It was amazing. 
I, I only saw a couple episodes of that. It never had it never grabbed me. It's not it's not the same. Um they made some changes. Deflator Mouse became Batman Well, which was pretty funny. Well Deflator Mouse was made for the cartoon, so he's like in Wright's hell. Oh, okay. Because he's never he was never actually um he's not actually like a character in the comic. Okay. Well, um and they, they renamed American Maid. I can't remember what they called her. Um but it, Patrick Warburton as the tick just made it for me. So that's uh, that that's my that's my number three. Also, the 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 villain where the guy made like the genetically modified clown. Yeah, listen, it started out amazingly. This that show started out amazingly with Chairface Chippendale trying to write his name on the moon. And oh, that they, is great because and they kept this. They even did an episode. That's how he ended up with Galactus. They were trying to fix the moon. Yes. And they never once forgot to put the C on the moon. I think it had half an H, too. Uh, it, 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 it had letters on it, but they yeah. never forgot about that. It was awesome. Don't forget the man-eating cow. <laughs> I don't know if they ever called it by name on that, but... Um... I think they did. Yeah. All right. Let's get another number three. Um, I'll go next, I guess. I um, I don't know where this falls on my self-limitation. It's right on the borderline, but I chose SWAT Cats. The Radical Ah, Spider. that's a good that's one. A, that's a good choice. And it was a great show, and stupid Ted Turner canceled it because he did not want violent shows on his networks. And yet, we still got uh, Captain Planet. This was after Captain Planet. <sighs> That's a shame because SWAT Cause Captain Cat was really Planet good. was like ninety, and I think this is like ninety three. This was way better than Captain Planet. So I had a couple years where I watched Captain Planet. I haven't watched it as an adult. I'm pretty sure it doesn't hold up though. Well, here's the thing: the reason Captain Planet got viewers is because they scheduled it at a time when there was nothing else animated on TV. It 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 had like it had the trappings of like a show that would have been popular at the time though. No, I suppose that's fair. Professor, what are your thoughts with SWAT Cats? SWAT Cats was a great show. Um, it didn't have at that many episodes, mm-hmm. considering like back in back in those days, uh, like late '80s, early '90s. You basically like any show, <clears throat> they'd almost give you like a 65 order pickup. This this they did like the Saturday morning though, and usually if you did like a Saturday morning lineup, you got two seasons and. You might get to 30 episodes if you're lucky. Yeah, that's true. Um, I remember really liking this show a lot. Uh, I remember like uh, the one villain who was like, uh, was it Dr. Viper? Yeah, Dr. Viper. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that they have this series out on DVD that you could that you could get off uh, Amazon because I think I actually own this. Because I, th- I remember the Time Master was my favorite one. Oh, yeah. She always Time got Master, some weird... yeah. Yeah. And then there was Dark Cat, and those are the only... Th- no, and then there was... I don't remember their names. There were the the two gangsters that got, like, killed, and they got put in the robot bodies. Oh, yeah. I remember those. 
I can't remember what their names it, were. Yeah. Uh, and then they had, like, the incompetent mayor and his, like, assistant was, like, really running. It was Mayor Manx, also voiced by And then Callie was Cohen. the assistant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were T-Bone and Razor. Yes. I was always a T-Bone guy. My brother was a fan of Razor. So I always said, well, then that means that we can fly a plane together. <laughs> but yeah, great show. I, I was a little older when this one came out. I would actually like to revisit this one because I think it would hold up pretty well as an adult. Uh, Mayor Manx, Shad. Yeah. Voiced by, voiced by Jim Cummings. Cool. Yeah, Jim that's... Cummings voiced everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently he's... Yeah, I I did some quick reading a minute ago, and apparently he's like the heir... He, he, everyone considers him the heir to Mel Blanc. Because didn't he voice Pinky? Uh, no. That no. was Maurice LaMarche? Oh, no, wait. No, no I'm thinking no. of... Um, was it Charlie Adler? No. God, I can see his face. He voiced uh, Yakko Warner, too. God, yeah, it's just. It, you sure? Gonna, uh, stupid. Maurice Lamar definitely did the brains. That's who I was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll have it here in just a second. As soon as I see it, I'm gonna feel like an idiot for for for. Rob forget. Paulson. Yes, Rob Paulson. Ah, uh, yes, Rob Paul. Rob Paulson is another one who's done like yeah, a million everything. voices. Yeah. Yeah. It was just. Great. No, Yakko wasn't Rob Paulson there, right? Yakko was um someone different. No, Yakko was Rob Paulson. You sure about that? Yep. Oh, I'm thinking of Wacko. Wacko was there were two of them. Yeah. Okay, um, you're right. So trust yeah, it's it's yeah, Rob Paulson as as Yakko because he he can still do the song. We'll we'll get to that down the line. Okay, so Matt, what would be your number three? So my number three is a show that was based off a successful uh, film franchise, uh, The Real Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, this wow. would be this would be my number one. Oh wow, number one. Okay, because this show, this show, I wa- This is on Netflix, or it was a couple years ago, and this actually holds up really well as a. Um, uh huh. Yeah. This- as a. This show is also on DVD, um, and I also do own the collection for this one. This was a really, like, stunningly good show. Like, I loved it as a kid, but if you watch it, like, a little bit older, you Mm -hmm. really, really appreciate the writing on this. There was some really, like, interesting stuff that they did here. Some of the the episodes, they had really good comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, Beyond that, they did some really, like, scary stuff for the time. Like, they had, when they fought, like, the... Sandman or uh, Sam Hain. They were kind of like recurring villains that they had. That was pretty scary. This is one of the only kid shows you'll ever see where the heroes, the protagonists of the series, actually fought Cthulhu. Yes. And and won. On a roller coaster, even. Yes. That was just bizarre. And this, the, the, the original voice cast for this like is absolutely amazing. It has Frank Welker, Arsenio Hall, mm-hmm. uh, Phil LaManche, and um, Lorenzo Music. Yeah. It is... I remember watching the Ghostbusters fight Cthulhu mm-hmm. because it even had the chant in it. They were just like, it's public domain, we're going for it. 
Yeah. Remember they they even they even had a kaiju battle in this because they had like I don't remember what the other monster was, but they actually got the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man out of the containment unit. To yes, fight. it I was a giant that. praying mantis. Because they were yeah, in a right, helicopter, and they were in a helicopter, and they they got the Stay Puff out to go deal with it, and then Egon's like, "I forgot something very important." And they're like, "What's that?" He goes, "Praying mantises jump very high," and it jumped and took a swipe at the helicopter. Do you remember the episode um, with the door that says do not open until doomsday? Yes, that was one of the earlier episodes. And that one, that one is still scary as an adult because like the the subway cars get possessed and like are like screeching and Mm -hmm. the people that got stuck on there, like they get on a subway car and it's just full of these people that have obviously been killed and turned into like skeletons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The, The one bad thing about this show, though, is... Um, there's some, and this is something that sucks with old stuff is the, the music license didn't like carry over. So if you get this on DVD, the music's not the same. Ah, that's, that's not what I thought you were going to say. It's sadly like you get like the generic Ghostbusters music over something that was more atmospheric. I I thought you were going to say the problem is Slimer. Yeah, we don't. That that was when the show like jumped the shark is when they it was pretty much Slimer like doing like Tom and Jerry cartoons with like a cat and like some doctor trying to catch him. Okay. Yeah, they they did three seasons of the show, um, which I think if you actually add the the total episode count, it was probably close to a hundred episodes. Yeah. Which was real Ghostbusters, and then I think they moved it to. Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, it it went from like syndication to uh, like Saturday mornings on ABC. Yeah, and, I think yeah. it started on Saturday morning actually. Oh, okay, but they was they definitely this... did an entire run on syndication. Yeah, and then they they, think... they did switch it to Slimer and the real Ghostbusters, and it became more um I guess a little more younger kid friendly. Yeah, well they it started out they still did like standard episodes, but Slimer was just more involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it switched to, like, Slimer cartoons. Yeah. But I remember this because um, this is before Blockbuster was really a thing, but, like, a lot of the a lot of these cartoons would get released, like, with an episode or two on a VHS. And yeah. you could, like, rent these from, like, the local place. Mm-hmm. And that's really how I was, like, first exposed to it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, two more things about the show. Uh, yeah. One one of the prominent writers, uh, and this is kind of a testament to the quality of the writing, uh, was uh, Joe Michael Straczynski, who later went on to do the Babylon 5 series, which uh, I think is still one of my favorite sci-fi shows of all time. Wow. Yeah, he was a, he was an early writer, and he wrote like some of the, their best episodes. Uh, and then the second one was... Second Dan Aykroyd has writing credits too, but that might just be contractual. Maybe. Uh, and the second thing, it actually, they it spawned a spinoff show that came years later called Extreme Ghostbusters. Yeah. Which only really? lasted like one season. Uh, but that one's actually like a really good uh, show. Uh, and that's something that I, I know that they redid in live action. They did like the, the all-female I wish they would have done Extreme Ghostbusters as like the, the 2000 and the 2016 version. 
Yes, because some, someone actually I saw on social media brought this up, and I didn't even think about it this way, but it was a great point. Like the actual the cast of Extreme Ghostbusters was completely multicultural. You had the uh, the kind of Peter Vinkman character was played by who was well the character was supposed to be uh, Latin American. The like Egon character was African American. You had a female Ghostbuster there. You had a handicapped Ghostbuster. It was like super progressive for the time, mm-hmm. and it was super entertaining. Like it was a great show that I wish they had given like more uh, more seasons to. But and, and the best part is I think the last two episodes was a crossover with the original Ghostbusters because like Egon yeah, was, was. Like their trainer like mentor. Yeah. Mm. Cool. And I think they even did an episode with Sam Hain, too. Yeah, I think they did. I remember I used to watch this. I don't remember a lot about it other than I liked it at the time, and it was a good, like, successor series. Yeah. Okay. Also, um, I great toys for the original series. That's so true. Oh, yeah, I remember those. Mm-hmm. That's, that's absolutely true. So are we, we're at two now, right? We are. Okay. Who wants to lead off at two? uh, I'll go at two. I'm going to kind of bundle these together because they were the same kind of animation and in the same universe at the time. But we're going to go to the early 90s for some Marvel comics with Spider-Man and the X-Men. Hmm. Okay. I, I intentionally left off Batman the Animated Series because we've had extended discussions on that show before. That is true, we have. Uh, well, I'll just go ahead and say that's my number one. That's, <laughs> sorry okay. to, sorry Matt, I, I, it's sorry to have uh, extend. Oh, it is? Oh, well, yes. we've, we've given the game away. We can talk about that <laughs> okay. in a second if you want. But so, uh, I actually think I liked X-Men more at the time, but looking in hindsight, uh, I think Spider-Man was probably the better show. I still have the X-Men theme song stuck in my head. Yeah. And the Spider-Man show really... The Spider-Man show was really not afraid to tackle some of the weirder stories, like him growing extra arms and turning into a spider. Yeah, they totally did that. And I'm also going to extend this out a little bit because I did enjoy the show, even though Wolverine has an Australian accent, but Spider-Man and his amazing friends also gets honorable mention with this grouping. Okay. Also, Mark Hamill was the Hobgoblin on this, uh, on Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, I forgot about it's, that. It's basically just, it's it's Mark Hamill doing the pre-Joker voice. Yeah, or, wait, no, much. that's not fair. What, it, what I should say is it's Mark Hamill doing the trickster voice from the live-action Flash show that turned into the Joker voice. That also turned into Cockknocker. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. That's probably the, my favorite cameo from a movie ever. <laughs> the Cockknocker. Why do they call you the Cockknocker? Funny story about that. And the best intro, too, because it just says on the screen, like, hey, kids, it's Mark Hamill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was an amazing joke. Oh, that was great. So X-Men, I, they're actually really, comparatively to other things, like even more so than Batman the Animated Series, these are very, very, very strong, like, retellings of actual comic book stories instead of doing their own thing. Like, X-Men, 
X-Men caught like X-Men tackles the, the Phoenix saga from like start through the Dark Phoenix saga. Yes, yeah. it does. And it did a pretty good job of it too. Yeah, so like these shows are different from other shows that you'll see in that these shows are pretty much like pretty like straight up adaptations of the comics. Mm-hmm. And they for all the compression they had to do kinda hurt, but it was still very well done. And we kind of haven't talked about it, but um, I think one of the things going back to a lot of these cartoons that ruins a lot of them is the kid's sidekick and like the or or the cute like creature that speaks. Are you going to bring up Jubilee here? I was going to say Jubilee is the kid's sidekick, but she is not annoying. No, she wasn't. Because like there, there are shows I actually like the concept of. Like Pirates of Darkwater, mm-hmm. uh, that yeah. stupid monkey bird thing like ruins it. Or even Conan that had like the cute like sidekick creature. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ruins that like as an adult. Or the worst, the worst defender really is. Um, I I absolutely love the concept of mask, but the right the, the main character's kid and the robot sidekick make that show just completely unwatchable. Right. Right. Kind of like what happened in Cops when they decided they had to feature the the robot dog more and more. Oh, I remember Cops. I had all the toys for Cops. Oh, yeah. I loved those toys because they were basically like G.I. Joes. So they had like insane amounts of articulation, only like a larger size. Yeah. I thought, was the main character's name Bulletproof? Yep. BP Vest. I, I absolutely loved him as a kid because that was such a cool concept that he gets like just he pretty much gets robocopped and then they rebuild him to be bulletproof. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you had um, the only the only cop story that I had was actually Boss Man. Um, oh, the big boss man. Yeah. Yes. Oh, boss man. Yeah. I called yeah. him big boss man. <laughs> I did, too. My, but I couldn't I remember, remember if that was right or not. Yeah, I think it was big boss, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think you're right, actually, yeah. But uh, I, I, I was going to say, wasn't I think my favorite character as a kid, though, and I think it was the last toy I actually got, was the one that just had, like, the standard cop attire, but he had, like, the little wristband that, like, shot handcuffs at people. You're talking about Longarm. Okay, that's his name. I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. he was my favorite. That was his code name, was Longarm. Yeah, he was my favorite. Mine Other was than bulletproof. Mine was Mace. Was he the guy in like the like the SWAT gear? Yeah, with all the the special weapons guy. Yeah. So, I wonder if that's out there. I'd I'd be interested in seeing that with adult eyes. That that one was fascinating because Big Boss refused to have drugs in his city, and a drug called Crystal Twist showed up, and was just. just Staggeringly addictive, and he was so mad about it. So, he's very kingpinny. Yeah, thinking mm. back. Yeah, he sure is. Uh, anyway, we're kind of getting a side so of your thing. Let's go. Um, let's go, Matt. Why don't you go with your number two? Uh, should we do? Should we just talk about Batman? Yeah, let's just talk about and Batman. Yeah, out of the way, because it's, it's <laughs> yeah. my number one, but I can use my number two as my number one. Uh, we'll just do that now. My, uh, my, well, we already revealed our number one, so we can go back to our number twos, but I can't put my yeah. number two in the number one slot. 
because my number one got got taken with Ghostbusters, so I'm, I'm yeah. Out. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? Like Batman to me, Batman the animated series is my favorite animated show of all time. Yeah, uh, it's so good. Like I, I, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but if not, maybe it's like one of our after after podcast discussions. But I used to have the entire show on a on videotape I, that I that I recorded myself off TV, and there are times when I mean, this was like this obviously before streaming services. I kind of made my own binge watching. I would just throw on like a tape and just watch random episodes every now and again. Yep. Just to like, and I would, I, I loved it. I'm still like fascinated by the show. I have the entire show on DVD. I don't have it on Blu-ray or anything like that, but it's such a great show. Uh, when it changed over where they added like Tim Drake, Robin, Oh, uh, yeah. I thought it got it, bad. Yeah, I thought it lost a little bit. I still liked it, but it did. It it lost a step. But I think it, overall, the 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 first like sixty five episodes of the show, the animation really took a shot. Yeah. with um, they did some character redesigns that mm-hmm. that like I didn't like the Joker redesign. Yeah. No. I I will say I consider Batman Beyond to be like an extension of this show. Like I would, if I watched all the episodes of this, I would go into Batman beyond and consider it the same show. I agree. I think, well, I think they've made it like uh, in continuity essentially. So it yeah, is. it yeah. is. Cause, cause they even end justice league with, um, with, um, I can't think of his name. Terry with the new bat. Yeah. Terry. Yeah. They end that. And also, um, this, this, this mythos has two absolutely great movies attached to it with mask of the phantasm mm-hmm. and return of the Joker. Yeah. And return of the Joker. A lot of people probably haven't seen because it was direct to video, but it is dark. It like, is they pretty much in very dark. Tense. It is yeah. intense. But it also has probably my favorite Joker battle of all time. Just because how Terry handles it. Oh yeah. Where, yeah. where Bruce is trying to tell him how to like handle it. And he's like, wait a minute, that's not me. And then Joker's like, what are you doing? Like, he's like, I'm fighting dirty. Mm-hmm. And he throws in Joker's face. He goes, that's the thing that got you. You never could make the old man laugh. And Joker just comes apart at the seams. He did finally make him laugh in, um, in one of the newer movies where they brought Mark Hamill and mm. Kevin back. Okay. Because they, like, go to the end and he tells them that story about, like, how the two, like, insane asylum people are escaping. And he's like, here, I'll shine the flashlight and you can walk across. He's like, I'm not crazy. Like, you'll turn it off when I'm halfway across. Yeah, that's that's straight from the end of The Killing Joke. Yeah, and Batman laughs, so. Yeah, that's that's the end of The Killing Joke. So. Okay, well, yeah, and then that means it came from The Killing Joke. It was The Killing Joke, yeah. yeah. Those, those DC movies have kind of all started to... Um, kind of run together. Yeah, and they've kind of gotten worse as they've tried to get like more PG-13 and R-rated. Oh, they added a bunch of stuff to the beginning of like, The Killing um, Joke they didn't need to. Like um, Dick Grayson and Harley Quinn having sex, really. Oh. was where those movies jumped the shark. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't know. Um, the I don't know what else to say that we haven't already said about the anim- Batman the Animated Series. It's no, just, we, 
You know, it's funny. I was listening. I randomly chose a couple episodes like like a couple months ago and we actually like 20 episodes apart. We had the same episode about Joker at Batman's funeral. Yeah. The man that killed Batman. <laughs> yeah. We had the same. Like, Sid the squid. Sid the squid. Sid. Yeah. That's. Uh, it, it's... But Mask, Mask of the Phantasm, if you haven't seen that, is absolutely an amazing movie. It, it really is. I actually paid the stupid ticket price. It was stupid high, but to go and rewatch it in the theater. And it really adds a lot of depth to Bruce. Yes. It's very. But I, I want to add one aspect of this show that's really understated, but I really love about it is I love that in the, in the, in this verse of Batman, Alfred is a person you do not want to mess with. Like Alfred is a bad man. That's done bad things in his past. Oh yeah. He was a secret agent. Yeah. And that's, you wonder how he ended up with the, the Waynes, right? Uh, I don't, I don't think we've talked about it on the show, but have, did have either one of you actually, did you watch the Gotham, uh, live action series? I, it's on my to-do list, but I, I'm not a huge procedural guy. So that's an interesting show that had five seasons. It just concluded last year. Um, the fifth season I had kind of hopes for because it looks like they they were going to do the, the whole um, Batman No Man's Land storyline from the comic books. It was awful. Like the last season, they just didn't care. Um, but overall, it's an interesting show because at times it was pretty good. At times it wasn't great. But they did a lot of interesting stuff considering it, the whole premise is that it really follows uh, Jim Gordon as the protagonist. And it's set... Uh, it's set before Bruce actually becomes Batman. Mm-hmm. And it's also set in a weird, like anachronistic period where it seems like it's set in the seventies, but people also have like advanced technology, computers, like cell phones, things like that. It's kind of like weird. I think it's supposed to be kind of at an indefinite alternate reality. Mm-hmm. Their take on a lot of the villains is really fascinating. Uh, like for example, I actually do feel in terms of how the actor portrays him and just the way the character is written, it's probably one of, it's probably the best, well, there's not that many live action versions of the penguin, but it's probably like one of the best live action versions of the penguin they could do because they really make him an exceptionally complex character. Uh Uh-huh. But they have a, they have Sean Pertwee playing Alfred Pennyworth. Okay. And, they kind of keep with that whole Alfred is a badass because there are points where he's, he has to protect Bruce. Who's a teenager in this. And he just is a rough, like a rough neck. Like he just kicks the shit out of people when he has to. Right. And it's Sean Pertwee. who's done a lot of cool things. Right. I've, I've heard a lot of people have, have really liked it. It's just not been, um, it's Did you say John Pertwee, Sean Pertwee. Oh, okay. I was thinking of the, I was like that can't be like the third doctor. <laughs> no, he's he's long past. But yeah, it's an interesting show. It's not like a great show. There are points where it's pretty good. It's just interesting. They have they have really interesting takes on a lot of the Batman villains. Penguin being one of them. They have another really interesting take on Riddler. Mm-hmm. I that's probably one of my favorite episodes that we haven't talked about is um the 
the one where Riddler does like the video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh also, yeah. Also the guy, the bounty hunter that's after Batman's cow. Wormwood. Yeah. Yep. That was uh. That was that was a fun one as well. You get into it. That episode is an example of why casinos don't play blackjack with a one deck shoe. So, uh, it, it makes sense when you see it. Uh, also, I liked how the show did like so much, so much different music. It it really did. Uh, I appreciate. Well, you know, you have the the certain musical cues for recurring villains and uh but how like the one where like the um you know the joker episode with captain clown with the trash barge yeah like that that music is like based on his like theme yeah that, that but, like it's kind of like rocked out to a degree yeah well because the joker theme or his 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 tonal thing do 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 you know, you hear that and you're like, oh, okay, here's what's going to happen. And then in that one episode, yeah, like you said, they kind of rocked it out some more. Yeah. Because Captain Clown is scary. Obviously. And and you don't kill Captain Clown. Nope. All right. So let's go, let's hit our number ones. So obviously mine was the real Ghostbusters. We kind of touched on why that was a great show. Um also, Looney Tunes is on my list, so <laughs> I kind of got poached a couple times. So why don't we take it to Matt first? Okay, so my number two, which is now kind of becoming my last pick. Uh, this was a show, I don't know if you guys watched this, it ran in the mid-90s. It was a Walt Disney production. It was something that was kind of vastly different from the other Disney animated shows at the time. But uh, Disney's Gargoyles? Yes. Gargoyles. You know what? You know what I loved about that show mm-hmm. is it had it had like ninety percent of the Star Trek: The Next Generation cast. It did. Voice acting. There, the voice cast for this was absolutely fantastic. Uh, let me so here. Let me read off like some of the characters, uh, some of the voice actors, like the non-Star Trek people. You had Ed Asner. He voiced one of the main characters. You had the main character, um, Goliath. He was voiced by Keith David, who's been in a million things. Mm-hmm. You had, he narrates like everything. Yeah. You had uh, you had Bill Fagerbacki. Oh, probably pronouncing that wrong. He was on Coach at the time. You had uh, Frank Welker doing uh, <laughs> animal voices. Uh, and then you had you also had Jim Cummings doing voices. Uh, you had Tim Curry playing one of the main villains, a recurring villain. Uh, and then you had uh, you had uh, Jonathan Reese Davies. He was one of the main villains. Mm-hmm. But then you also had a ton of Star Trek characters, Star Trek: The Next Generation cast. Yep. You had Jonathan Frakes. He played the main villain in uh, David Xanatos. You had Marina Sirtis. She was one of the main villains. You had Brent Spiner. Uh, who else? Michael Dorn was in it as well. Yeah. Uh, is that everyone? Uh, Kate Mulgrew. Ma- uh, Ma- Mariana Sirtis, who was Deanna Troy, was the main. Um, yeah. The main bad gargoyle. Yeah. Uh, you also had other people like David Warner. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, who else? Clancy Brown. Uh, you might know him better as uh, Lex Luthor from the Superman show, and oh. a bunch of Sheena, and a bunch Sheena of like, Easton. 
Mm-hmm. Sheena Easton did a couple guest spots on it. I think you're right. Uh, it just a fantastic show. It's it was a really bizarre show because it was unlike anything Disney was. It got out there as the show went on. It did. It, it had a, a big following, um, at least in like certain like I guess fan communities. It was a weird mix of fantasy because the main characters were uh, were gargoyles who would turn to stone during the day. The premise was that uh, the main villain who had basically like a heel face turn as the series kind of progressed uh, was this billionaire named David Xanatos. He brings uh, a, a, like a Scottish castle to uh, to New York City and then by doing that yeah. he breaks a curse and the gargoyles uh, come alive again. Well they, they <laughs> like it starts off like the, um, I think her name was Demona, mm-hmm. and some of the other gargoyles double crossed a bunch of them. So like there were more gargoyles, but most of them got killed. Yeah, because they got destroyed at night. So the the problem I had with this show was, I don't know, like the, a lot of the local channels here did not show these in order, mm. and you kind of had to watch this in order because when you start mixing things around, like there was that season where they were like time traveling. Yeah, that was a. Uh... That, that this show was it was really intensely strong writing this is a show that it was a kid's show but some one of the main characters one of the main villains was macbeth literally macbeth from shakespeare wow and they did a ton of like um reference to references to mythology it was just it was almost like an educational program but it was something that there was really strong continuity where if you if you did see episodes out of order you'd be lost because they had an ongoing plot that wasn't so intricate that if you watched a random episode you'd be completely lost because usually usually the plots were kind of self you had Mm -hmm. yeah but the problem you had is like people change like demona was like human for a while Mm -hmm. then she wasn't then she had like you know like like things change like there was this there was actual like progression to the story yeah and progression to the characters like characters who at the beginning of their appearances acted a certain way and then they actually grew as the series progressed like i i mentioned like the main villain for the first few episodes by the end who was played by jonathan frakes by the end of the series he was basically an ally uh it was just fascinating it was a great show it's one of my favorite cartoon shows of all time uh i wish i they they did put this out on DVD, I believe. The entire, at least the first two seasons, there was like a, a there was a final. S- Actually, I don't think they put the entire series on DVD. No, I think they because I, I think it got because I, I was gonna buy this at one point, <laughs> and I think like the third season wasn't out. Yeah, I think I actually wound up buying it like at a con, like a bootleg version. They uh, for a time, a few years back, they did do, I think a. a Maybe about ten years ago, they did an an animated series. They did a comic book series. Yeah, I remember that. Which was actually I think it got. Mm -hmm. I I think it got smashed up when, uh, like Darkwing did. Yeah, probably did. Uh, That was uh, that was unique because the the guy who actually created and wrote the series was behind the comic book. Uh, I'm I'm actually surprised that that Disney doesn't try to reboot this because I think they'd have to tweak it maybe. But I think this is a, actually a property that they could really they could actually bring this back and, and redo it in a certain way. I bet they will because they because I think that that new DuckTales had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. 
And they just didn't they just do a new Muppet Babies? I think they that is airing now. I haven't watched it. I, I watched a couple episodes of the new DuckTales and it just didn't do anything for me. It wasn't bad. I just watched a couple episodes and I was like, eh, that was a, a thing. I like that they had David Tennant doing Scrooge. Yeah, he was okay. He was really good in um, Good Omens if you haven't seen that yet. No, it's on my it. list. It's really good. So then, um, yeah, it was... I'm actually surprised it was as popular as it was because looking back, that show is like very different from anything that was out like in that era. Yeah, it really stood out. I just wish I could have watched it. It didn't come on any station that I had access to. It was weird because it like it because the Disney afternoon was kind of dying when it came out. And I don't think they ever like really solidly stuck to that. Like, I remember it was always on at like weird times. Mm hmm. It was on like in those slots around here like that Samurai Pizza Cats would show up on. Ah, I love Samurai Pizza Cats. <laughs> I have that entire series on Blu-ray. See, that's one of those series that would almost make me say, well, you made that one up, but I know better. That's a great show. It is hilarious. I would actually say, I know, I know people laugh, but um, it wouldn't be my number one, but it might make honorable mention because it was a good show and I did enjoy it for a while. But Sailor Moon was actually solid when it was on TV and you weren't like super because it, it kind of really I, I came across that before Dragon Ball Z, which was really my like, OK, like I'm into this anime thing. I, I couldn't I couldn't do Dragon Ball. It took them so long to do anything. It was a different time. I couldn't go back and watch it now. Yeah. But Just quick plug. Go on YouTube, look for Dragon Ball Z Abridged, and you will not be disappointed. Okay. Um, so, Shad, it is time for your big reveal. My big reveal is going to be... Well, we kind of hit on it earlier. My big reveal is going to be none other... Then the amazing variety show produced by Steven Spielberg of Animaniacs. Because we got classic Looney Tunes style stuff with new characters, lots of absurdity, and they weren't afraid to do silly stuff. Yep, Animaniacs, which was so also the springboard for so many other um, things as well. Do you roll Pinky and the Brain in with Animaniacs, or do you consider them to be their own thing? They did start with Animaniacs, but they split. It started with Animaniacs, so I'm, I'm going to put it there. I mean, that's okay. that's where it came from. So, so I, I will say, I think my favorite segment... Well, there's, um, there's two f segments that are my favorite. Um, one is the Mr. Skullhead show. That was Tiny Toons. No, he, he, he came over to... To Animaniacs. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. He did. And then um, Chicken Boo. Oh, Chicken, Chicken Boo, Boo was fun. It, it Chicken Boo was one of those. Where it, it was just the. How does nobody notice this absurdity things? Which is great yeah. fun. I'm also. It is not Animaniacs, but it, it's by the same people, and it was out at the same time. So I am going to tag it on here, but we're going to include Freakazoid with. Animaniacs. Yeah. Freakazoid is was an honorable mention for me. I loved that show. Yeah. It, it, 
that was tough because I was looking at Freakazoid and I'm like, I want to do something with that, but I just can't with the other things on my list. Another uh, Paul Dini, Bruce Tim production. Was it really? Yeah. I didn't realize that part. So would you consider, would you consider Tiny Toons like the, the trial run for Animaniacs? It kind of seemed to be that way. Like Tiny Toons seemed, at least to me, to feed into Animaniacs. Like Tiny Toons was continuing an already existing uh, property. And then Animaniacs was, we're creating new property in order to, um, you know, in order to springboard this new show, but Tiny Toons kind of gave us the footing to do it. So then, who uh, were, were the were the the Warners and their sister? Um, which just made me think of that song. Uh, I think I think there was a pirate episode where they were like, "And the Warner's sister, you'd like her if you kissed her." Um. I don't remember that where that song. line was from, but I it, think it's a the pirate episode. They also got away with an amazing number of adult jokes. Well, they actually did, and this still blows me away to this day. There is an episode where they did a Howard Stern parody character. Yes, they did. Um, or the joke, all right, let's look for Prince. I found Prince, and she's holding the guy Prince. He goes, no, 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 fingerprints, and Prince smiles at her, and she goes, no. Yeah, I remember that That's one. It's like, wow, how did you guys get that through? There's some other stuff from that, but I don't remember anymore. I, I watched some episodes like a couple years ago, and it, yeah. it holds up pretty well. There's it holds up just, a little better than Tiny Toons, I think. There's just so many things in it. It's, it would be easier for me to say the things I didn't care for on that show as opposed to what I did. And there's not a whole lot of I didn't care for on that show. I, 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 do you remember the episode where like they were at the mall and those like ladies keep bothering them about? That's that's why I remember Mr. Skullhead is because they're trying. Uh, Would you like to take a survey? No, but yeah. he would, and they shove Mr. Skullhead in front of him, and he stands there and nods until his head falls off. Um, that's that's what reminded. But you also got they got to have so much fun historical figures and doing. Oddly educational stuff and like Wacko's state song and Yakko's songs There's around a, the world, countries around the world, and that sort of thing. There was a lady that did a podcast called The Geek Box. I don't think she's on it anymore, but she said, like, when she was becoming an American citizen, that's how she learned, like, the states and the capitals. Oh, really? Yeah. This was through, uh, that was Wacko's song. Yeah, yep. I'm pretty sure. That was, yeah, it was just, they did so much. And it was and, really, and they did it so well. And and Pinky and the Brain really were, like, they're just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and this is kind of a Tiny Toons um, Animaniacs crossover thing. I guess it's more Tiny Toons. I should have brought it up then. But, uh... Whenever um, I give my oldest, whenever my oldest son has a bath, whenever it's done, I keep working on him to say "water go down the hole" every time. <laughs> so um, that's I was, that's a thing. There, there was actually um, to go into things that they snuck by the censors. 
Like, I guess people, I was listening to some show and they were talking about some of the things Tiny Toons got past the censors. And I, and I remember this when they brought it up, but I guess Hampton just had a bunch of pornography at his house. Yes, they, they, they covered it up just enough so that you were like, you could, you could plausibly deny what it was. Yeah. But it was, it was like Rocco working, uh, from Rocco's Modern Life, working on a phone sex line. Oh, yes. I need to watch that movie. It, the new Invader Zim, I need to watch those. I've, I've heard the new Rocco movie's not, not great. I don't, but I, I figured. They, they always screw those up when they bring those nostalgia. It's a shame because I really like Carlos Alasaraki. Yeah. Um, I got to talk to him at a convention once because he was also Bane in Batman the Animated Series. And it was really cool to talk with him. And he so he signed a picture for me from one Bane to another because that was the costume I had with me at the time. And so who would be your favorite characters from Animaniacs? It's probably the Warners. Um, it, it, yeah, I'd say it's it's probably the Warners that they were just one they anchored the show, and two that so much of the the wackiness came came through them. You know, it, the what's the phrase I'm looking for? Um, <sighs> I remember they did a Power Rangers ripoff episode where, like, they turned the the water tower was like the Megazord. Vaguely, yeah. But I don't think I've ever seen that one again. Yeah, it's kind of like the Tiny Toons that was the uh, the drunk driving Tiny Toons episode. Well, that one got banned because they like died. Yeah, they yeah, they straight up died. But yeah, Animaniacs. That's what I gotta go with. Yeah, that's that's a good show. I um. I don't know, that came out at a weird point. Like, that was right at, like, the end of my, like, cartoon watching. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that, but it's it's still... I, I still got to put it up there. It's just so well done. Because, for me, I guess my line of demarcation was, uh, I guess, when I went whole hog into Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, yeah. Which would be around 94, 95 is, like, when I, like, went. Like, when I was all in on that show. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when I started recording it. Because I probably had, like, 70 VHSs with Mystery Science Theater on it at one point in my life. And I even, with Mystery Science Theater, I even, like, belonged to the club where, like, they would mail you a new VHS tape when, like, they came out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to stop and ask, Professor, do you have anything else you would like to... To add in here, no, I mean I could I could still talk for like another eight hours about cartoons that I love, <laughs> but I think we've we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, I keep looking at the time. And I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah, we we ran a little late on this. <laughs> we did. Yeah, we did. So, all right. I think we're gonna have to revisit this though because like it was it was super hard. Like I didn't even get into like stuff like I really, I really do love like. We didn't even get into like Beast Wars or like Scooby Doo or um, even like Voltron. Like I have a lot of stuff I enjoyed a lot. Well, we're we're gonna have to do that another time because I think we gotta we gotta draw the line here. So um, hey yeah. guys, hit us up on social media. Do you like our choices? Do you dislike them? What did we leave out that you thought we should have had? Hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. 
This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we'll catch you next time.